Hello. Hey, it's Keith. Hi, Keith. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. So, uh, if you got a few minutes, I thought I'd do a little silly Christmas podcast. Sure. We just finished stuffing our faces, so. Cool. Yeah, I was just going to give you a normal call, but I figure enough kind of semi-weird stuff happened to me this month. <laughs> it's like slightly interesting. Uh, first off, though, I guess, uh, uh, Brad is in Fredericton for Christmas, and he told me it's like he's like snowed in, and it's like crazy there. Yeah, it was good until uh, ooh, maybe noontime started, and it's uh, it's real blizzard, like you can't see from oh, I can't maybe you might be able to see a foot in front of you. Man, well, I guess that makes me feel a little better because mostly I'm like, you know, as an adult. You know, I'm kind of just happy when Christmas passes because uh, as a kid, it's really fun. But as a grown up, it's just like, man, even yesterday, like yesterday I was at the mall and it's just like packed with people buying stuff. And so, I mean, it's just a weird environment with the. Yeah, ter- yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I didn't go in any stores at all. I'm, I'm real Baja bug. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it really does sort of seem like with the, uh, I mean, just with the Christmassy shit everywhere, but the music too, it's like... Uh, like last time we were talking about aliens, I think if aliens saw this, they would. It was. It's almost like a little. Uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? When there's like a tribe and they have like, a, I don't know. It's like they're doing a some kind of tribal ritual. Ritual, yeah. That's like trying to frenzy everyone up into just a buying whirlwind. Because like I couldn't believe it. Like yesterday, where I would figure by Christmas Eve everyone should be done this stuff, but it was like the most busy day of all. Like, mm-hmm. it's just building to this fever pitch. And, uh, yeah, and then on Christmas in particular, hello. I mean, this is just well, weird. Say hello to Keith. Yeah. Okay, your father's going to... Oh, sure. Merry Christmas. Hello. Hey, Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas Where are you at, Vancouver? I'm in Vancouver, yeah. Uh, Brad told me that Fredericton is, like, all snowed in and crazy. Oh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Typical, though. Man. Nice weather out there, is it? Yeah, it's actually perfect here. Like, we've got, like, a quarter inch of snow. So like it's perfect. It just yeah, it's like because usually there's not even snow here, so it's just enough to look like it looks like a postcard. It's insane. Well, I'll give you back to your mom. It's okay. <laughs> Are you back? Yep. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, because then like once Christmas Day hits, as an adult, it's especially weird because it's just like it's really just kind of like I'm back at the uh, the bus depot again or the main terminal r- building. Which actually, it's kind of noisy. I might not use this in the future, but but it's the only thing open today. So I'm just like kind of looking around at everyone, and like it just feels weird. Everyone who's out today feels weird because it's just kind of like in your face that you're not doing the normal Christmas thing, you know? <laughs> Which is just kind of like I'll be glad when it's done. That's like years ago. I think I told you uh, when we went to Montreal, Neil and Neil and Mark and I too went to visit Granny and. In the morning, we stayed in a hotel downtown Montreal. And in the morning, they were they were sleeping, so I'd get up and walked, and it wasn't a soul. Like it, it was almost like a like a ghost town. Right. You know, every once in a while you might see a cab go by, but it was. And then I turned this corner, and I was in the French Quarter, and there was this restaurant. And I said, I just should go in there and get a cup of coffee or something and warm myself up. The place was packed. Yeah. <laughs> but you, but you got the sense that it was mostly people who were. Uh, Jackie, get out of those gas. Jackie, oh, hey. Um, it was mostly like uh, being a. Uh, yeah, it was like people were alone. Myself included. Right. <laughs> yeah. It was really. Oh, I wonder what the dog was in. I can hear its kibble. I'm going to sit here with a, with a dog gift on my lap. 
Um, yeah, it was it was really bizarre. And then another year, uh, Adam Bentley had not done his shopping, and it was I know what you're talking about that December 24th crap. So I stupidly said I would go to the mall with him. What a freaking nightmare! <laughs> the place was packed. It was mostly men doing that last minute. I gotta get a gift for the gotta get a gift for the family. Gotta get a gift for the wife or the girlfriend or whatever. Adam knew everybody. <laughs> I was so like fed up because he kept because he kept oh we gotta go 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 shopping bar gotta go shopping bar but he kept stopping and talking to people and then we'd have to stop and he'd have to have a cup of coffee and talk to people and well, we were gone for hours. That's funny too because yeah that's like it must just be him and all of his like kind of bachelor pals or whatever <laughs> I guess not bachelor but you know <laughs> just kind of guys that don't have their shit together we're all out like that's their gathering day that's funny. Yeah, like Chris, Chris Smirk comes up from Campobello the other day, and that was Friday. Um, okay, so I'm working in the office, and he comes. I said, uh, you're up here for your, your annual shop. Oh, yes, yeah. He said, I had to get away. I couldn't stand it down there, so I thought I'd come up to Fredericton. Going to the Walmart, going to be picking up his stuff, and going to Campobello. And, you know, that's a three-hour drive in the wintertime. Longer, probably, if you have to wait at the border to do the border crossings. <laughs> anyway, whatever. If it fills your crank. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going near a store. Yeah, well, like, today, I was trying to just find a coffee, but, you know, everywhere was closed. But then I remembered, I'm like, oh, well, I know it'll be open. The shitty coffee shop I used to work at, because that's what I did two Christmases ago. <laughs> it's like, I somehow talked myself into working on Christmas, which was a ridiculous. Like, because I just figured it's like, today, I'm not doing anything. So it's like, okay, I guess I'll just work on Christmas, because I wasn't doing anything then either. But it meant it was depressing. And uh, so I went back in there, and it's all new people. Like, nobody I know who used to work at that cheesecake shop two years ago, they're all gone now. Even Doug, who had worked there for like four years, he's finally, I think everyone's gone. But uh, I just didn't even know what to say to these poor guys. I'm just like, I just bought a coffee and left. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just like now, this is the new generation of people working on Christmas. And it's like, oh man, bummer. Yeah, like, I don't know, I guess that's the thing. People always get, like, the fucking Christmas blues and seasonal depression and blah, blah, blah. I didn't feel any of that until, like, two days ago when it's just, like, it's just too much. It's just too much Christmas. <laughs> I'm just like, oh. But then yeah, I guess... Like people, people have no use for anybody all the rest of the time of the year. But they know, oh, I love Christmas love, Christmas joy, Christmas peace, Christmas this, Christmas that. And, and I it's guess... all crammed into one day, and then... Yeah, and then it's just whatever. But I guess even on the other side, though, like when Brad, I didn't even realize Brad was going back to Fredericton. And when he texted me, he was in Fredericton. I guess that actually was kind of what did it. I was like, oh, man, I, like all of a sudden it seemed like, oh, maybe I should be in Fredericton. Maybe I should be there for Christmas. Uh, but then when he told me that, like, him and his sister can't even go to the, like, family meetup thing they were going to go to because of the snow. <laughs> it was just him and his sister just sitting at home. I'm like, oh, well, the best laid plans. Like, even that plan didn't work, so... Whatever. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's kind of a bah humbug thing, but it is—it's kind of better to just ignore the whole thing, because yeah, it's like it just—it is just so weird. I mean, like today would just be a normal day, and it would just feel fine, except that it's fucking dumbass Christmas, and now everything feels weird. And I don't know. Yeah, it totally is just—I don't know. That's the weird thing too, though, is everything that is supposed to be for kids is for adults in our society like i mostly notice it with movies but like all the superhero movies and star wars movies and harry potter movies like they're all kids movies but that's also what grown-ups watch now <laughs> and uh, christmas is the same thing like why isn't this a kid holiday why does anyone else care well it's supposed to be a religious holiday <laughs> oh i guess yeah i guess if you want to take it way back <laughs> yeah so anyway um 
But yeah, so I thought I'd just give you a quick little recap of my adventures this month. Cause, uh, sure, go for it. Just a weird little thing that, I mean, it, it started off weird, but it actually kind of ended kind of nice. In a way, this is kind of like a nice Christmas story in a way. Not for me, but for this other guy. So, so this place that I ended up at, I was going down the ranks of Airbnbs of just trying to get cheaper stuff because last month I ran out of money. Turns out it wasn't enough because I ran out of money again. But uh, So I'm a little off the beaten path. And the reviews, they all mentioned cats. But I'm like, well, whatever, who cares? Like, you know, I grew up, we had tons of cats in that house. It was a big house, but, you know, just whatever. Cats don't bother me. There was one review that did mention a cat stain, they called it, outside the, the door. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, I just didn't, I put all this out of my mind. I'm like, whatever, who cares? Like, it's a cheap, cheapish place. It, it'll be fine. Uh, and then when I got to this place, it was, a, it's like a pretty nice little two-floor apartment. Really nice neighborhood. And it's actually, like, really close to a, a bus line that makes it easy to get downtown. So it's right by the Burnaby Mountains. Like, beautiful. But the place, I've never smelled an apartment that is more clearly run by cats in my life. Like, it is, everything smells like cats, which is just weird because, like, I never noticed that in our house, but I guess maybe it's just because our house was big enough, and we also let the cats out, you know? They weren't just inside all the time. But this place was fucking Catsville, this, like, little... I mean, it's probably, like, a six-room apartment with over two floors, and it just... Everything smelled like cat dander everywhere. And then outside of my little Airbnb room... There was, this was the cat stain. This one person mentioned was that this cat, one of the cats, there's two cats, had clearly just been going and peeing in this, like, around the corner down this little hallway that I guess the guy who lives there probably just didn't pay attention to when no one was staying there. And it's unbelievable. Like, like I remember one of the things about going to uh, Amsterdam was I never really knew what human shit smelled like <laughs> until I got to Amsterdam, but they have those ridiculous toilets and everything just smells like, like shit all the time and it's terrible. But I realized with this cat thing that piss is worse than shit. <laughs> it's like... Oh yeah, especially if, it's, um, especially if it's male cats marked in their territory. Yeah, which I guess must be what was going on, because I guess we would get that like sometimes way down in the basement, right? But I feel like that's the only place where sometimes our cats would ever pee. And I yeah, we, uh, we, we had it sometimes, and, and usually off, you, sometimes if you left, uh, left uh, and you heard they, they you know, were doing their wow. The night before, right. <laughs> you could smell it around, uh, like the stairs at the bottom of the stairs. You'd smell it because they sprayed there. But that, yeah, American territory is uh, the pee is bad enough. But but when they're American, their territory, oh yeah, man, it's strong. Yeah, this is definitely what that was because uh, just absurd. and rain and that kinds of stuff makes you think the rain would wash it away. If it rains hard enough, it will. But oftentimes, dampness will will bring it out. Will make the smell even more so. Yeah, and this was like my actual room, like, because I went around, because it's so hard to tell, because the smell is kind of everywhere. But I went around and, like, smelled everything in my room, and everything was fine. It was actually, like, kind of a nice place, which is just, like, these cats are just ruining it. And then I figured out it was this this patch of carpet out, out front of the room. So I had to, like, keep the window of my room open. I bought a bunch of, like, Febreze-type shit for the stain. And I, like, tried to, like, kind of plug up around the door with uh, towels and stuff as much as I could. No matter what I did, though, like, I couldn't this couldn't get this smell to go away. And uh, I tried to go find, like, nose plugs, but that's one of those things you don't think twice about until you try to buy them. And they just don't exist. 
Like if you go to the Shoppers Drug Mart website, you can order them, but they're not something that anyone carries because they're just a weird thing that whoever needs that. So I ended up while I was in this house and trying to sleep and stuff, uh, taking earplugs, like those foam earplugs, because I just had a bunch of those anyway, and putting them in my nostril. Yeah, and it would kind of like, because your inside of the nose is a little sensitive, so it kind of burned a little to have something always in there, but I just like had no choice, like even just to have them there to force me to breathe through my mouth. <laughs> and so basically, it was, even though it was cold, it's December, I had to have my window open all the time, and just trying to stay out of the house as much as possible. Like I only came back there just to sleep. And uh, and that's basically why I ran out of money again this month is like I just was, I wouldn't, even though I should have been sticking with the buying groceries thing I was doing last month, I'm not gonna make food in a house that smells like cat piss. I just can't, I can't do it, it's disgusting. And I was just like, what a nightmare. Like I'm here for a whole month. I booked this whole month at this place and it's just like, just awful. And I mean, generally, I'm mostly just a kind of take care of it myself kind of guy anyway. I wouldn't really complain much, and that's, you know, like, what am, what's this guy going to do that I can't do? Like, I got all the Febreze and doing all the stuff. But the other thing that made it extra kind of weird is this guy. I'll just make up a name for him because, I don't know, just in case, you know, not to... Because I'm going to kind of talk about him a bit. So we'll say his name's Justin. So this guy who owns this apartment, he's got this thing that I looked up and I if I had to guess I think it's Cruzon syndrome where basically his eyes bug way out and one of them points the wrong way like he looks like a kind of Quasimodo Marty Feldman. like who Marty Feldman who's that no, he's an actor you know Corey Feldman right actor Corey Feldman his father Marty Feldman he was in uh always in a bunch of those uh uh, Mel Brooks movies and his eyes Maybe. one pointed the other way yeah I mean that sounds like it so I mean yeah that must be the same thing and uh, so I mean it's just like just kind of like a sad little tableau sad little story of just this guy living in his apartment who's just uh, just a weird looking guy but he's really nice and just seemed like a cool guy and everything but he just clearly kind of lives in his own little house and he's always in his room on his computer and he's got these cats and he's just like a crazy cat man or whatever. <laughs> but then I was like surprised that the Airbnb reviews didn't mention this more. Like, I know people are generally polite or whatever, but this was just so overwhelming that I'm like, this is weird that there was only this one person who kind of skirted the issue, mentioned it a little, but wasn't really clear about it. But luckily, it really only lasted a few days. Like, once I really got to it with, like, I'm going to do something about this cat smell, and maybe just that there was someone there, like the cat. The cat didn't keep peeing there. The cat went away after that. And then after that, it was just generalized cat smell. And then after that, I don't know that that went away, or I just can't smell it anymore. But since that's a more, you know, just a not a, a, a punch-you-in-the-face smell, that went away. Everything's fine now. Basically, it was, like, kind of a bad, you know, five days. And then everything's been okay since then. But it was such a downer where after last month where I was saying how there was no sun, like that really was just brutal. Like that's not livable to have no sun for a month. And then I went straight into this place that smelled like cat pee. And I was just like, basically I just had like my long night of doubt where I'm like, all right, fuck this whole trip. This is just clearly not working. Like I'll tough this out and then I'm getting the fuck out of here. Cause like the fucking heavens are telling me this is not working. But then the cat pee smell pee went away and the sun came back out 
and then now I feel fine. <laughs> it's like, all right, whatever, this is fine. <laughs> but, but man, what a bad start to the month. I was just like, this is terrible. Uh, so then, though, the thing with this guy, so then once, uh, once the cat pee smell went away and I kind of got a little more comfortable being in this guy's apartment, I started just kind of wondering kind of what's going on because like real estate prices and stuff are just insane in uh, in Vancouver like I didn't know how this guy could even afford this place because it was like a real kind of house like it was a big apartment it was part of this whole complex like everyone a bunch of people lived there it was all kind of nice and full of it felt like a house like it didn't feel like some weird guy's bachelor pad it felt like a real home or whatever and there was like a plaque out front that uh, said like the Jones family and I was just like who's the Jones family like there is no Jones family there's just this guy and his cats and his rooms that he rented out and like there was another guy standing in another room uh, but then one day so once the the cat pee smell went away and I started running out of money so I'm like all right I'll just go buy groceries so I was just in the kitchen making some food and waiting for it or whatever so I just kind of was moseying through his house and just kind of like, it's interesting how you can just learn about somebody just by looking at the stuff, you know? Like... Yep. Well, yeah, I'll follow you. Okay, carry on. Okay, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like the storytelling of just, like, someone's house. So, uh, so this was, like, where it would really kind of got, like, sad, where in the, like, living room part of the house, there was on a mantelpiece, there was, like, a... Uh, like in my mem- mem- memory what do you call that in, mem- in memoriam in memoriam <laughs> yeah of somebody had died eh? yeah of this guy's mom and uh can't remember her name but whoever you know joan's mother she died at 52 and she died in 2014 and she had the same look as him like that's when i went and looked up this thing i was like oh this clearly has to be some kind of syndrome that got passed on so basically that was like all of a sudden it was clear it was like oh so this guy because he seems like he's in his early mid-twenties this is where he lives he with his, at the house yeah lived with his mom and then she died and now he's just there by himself with the cats who you know maybe they're not even like his cats so much as like the mom's cats and he's just kind of trying to deal with these cats but he can't get rid of them because there's his mom's cats and his mom passed away and like and and i'm just like inside this little sad story snow globe you know <laughs> like it's just a really weird feeling and it's like oh but that does explain stuff and it all sort of makes sense then the other day i guess uh, two days ago three days ago i came back and all of a sudden the place was way more clean than ever before and all spick and span and had christmas stuff everywhere and and that's just like again like just christmas is you know that double-edged sword where if you're there with like a bunch of little kids it's super fun but it's just felt so i'm like what is going on here now like there's no one here except me and him the other roommate moved out you know the week before who is this for why why all this christmas stuff like it just felt kind of sad and like i was like i don't i don't know how i feel about this This is weird but jackie get oh jimmy go away But then this is where like the Christmas miracle happened, which wasn't a miracle at all. I just don't know about this guy's life. But he had a shit ton of people over. A whole bunch of people came over. He had a great big Christmas party. And I was like, oh, actually, oh, good. Like this guy's life isn't sad at all. He's actually having a way better Christmas than I am. (laughs) So so that was nice. Like it all worked out in the end because it just kind of kept getting sadder and sadder. Yeah, because maybe there's other family. Right. You know, other brothers and sisters. 
and uh, maybe the odd duck in the family and therefore they let him have the house or because he was living with mother uh, uh, you know they allowed him to stay there and keep the house uh. yeah and it's one of those things too where uh, it's obviously sad that his mom passed away especially 52 is really young but uh, the man yeah, yeah. That, that like the house thing is kind of like it's a as condolences go I mean it's pretty amazing because uh, I was just hanging out with my friend Leo who we used to work at the coffee shop in like 2005 when I was back here he's a uh, this guy dude from China who uh, you know I just meet up with whenever I come back and he was telling me how like he's the one guy I know who you know he came here from China he's super hardworking crazy smart he's the guy with the real job and the wife and the kid and he's doing everything proper and he was talking about how real estate prices are so expensive in BC that he lives kind of on the outskirts and he's not sure if he can keep his house because the property tax is too much. Like he might need to downsize to a smaller house because it's just, even though he owns his house, he can't afford his house. And it's like, shit, like this place is fucking, it's bananas. It's really crazy. So, so yeah, my view really kind of turned around where I'm like, oh, this poor guy with his weird, weird birth defect thing and he just living in his weird house with his cats and it seems so sad but then it's like oh actually he's got shit tons of friends and he has like a place that he I guess owns or whatever it's like sweet <laughs> he's actually he's actually doing all right so are you the only one who lives there now yeah for the next whatever few days yeah so and it went to I'm gonna try to avoid that place just because like I just you know I don't like the cat smell at the best of times and if the cat pee returns it's fucking horrifying but it's nice that it kind of flipped around a little where it's like if I had to if I had to go back I really do like the location so the where, where are so. you you're staying there until what the end of this month yeah yeah till the end of December yeah and okay. then yeah and then now things are getting a little weird where i couldn't find a place for next month that was available for a whole month i had to split it between two places like two weeks at one place two weeks at another place so uh so none of the like monthly deeper discounts so it was a little more expensive but then it's going to get even a little weirder next month because i've been using the prepaid credit card that i got a couple of years ago but it expires in january but the way I guess these Scotiabank cards work is they don't, there's no overlap. Like they don't have the new cards yet. They can't give me a replacement card because all their cards expire next month, which just seems like a terrible way to do this. Like why don't they have new ones? So I've got to go back in January and get a new prepaid card before I can book any more places to stay. So it's going to be a little tight. It's a little weird. We, uh, uh, we will put some money in your bank account for Christmas. We were supposed to do before Christmas, but I asked Neil today if he did, and he said no, he didn't. <laughs> well, that's good, too, because that's another thing I meant to mention, too, is I did kind of overspend because I was trying to stay away from the pee house, so I just was outside eating out a lot again and stuff. But, yeah, at this point, I've got you know some Mr. Noodles and stuff at home, but I got $2 in the bank. <laughs> like, okay. I'm not even going to make it till the end of the month, so I know... The banks won't even be open till like Wednesday or whatever. But, but yeah, I am out. I am out of money. I'm not sure if it's open tomorrow or not. The bank. It might be. I doubt it. I doubt it. I mean, I doubt banks and any excuse for a bank to be closed, <laughs> you know, they will be closed. The Scotia Bank near me here closes at 4 p.m. every day. <laughs> like for God's sake. Um. Anyway, but, the solution to um, 
cat pee. Get yourself a box of baking soda. Oh, yeah, this, yeah, I didn't even think of that. That is an easy one. Baking soda and newspaper. Just lay down newspaper on, like, put spread the baking soda and put some newspaper on the top. Newspaper is a great absorbent for nice. smell. Yeah, I guess it's. Uh, I guess I don't need that now, but I'll I'll, I'll remember that for next time. Because yeah, I just basically went to the dollar store and did the Febreze thing, but I didn't even spray the Febreze. I just poured it on the carpet. I'm like, any damage I could do to this carpet is not as bad as the, what's already been done. So I just basically poured a bottle of Febreze on it, and that sort of did the trick too. Yeah, and uh, well, I think another thing too that kind of perked me up also is last month I didn't have a bus pass because you know the place I was at was like relatively central it was in Vancouver proper and stuff but but this month I, I bought a bus pass even though it's a hundred bucks and you know that's another reason I ran out of money but it's because I was like I can't stay in this pee house like I just need to get out of here and I'm in Burnaby so I needed the bus pass to get it go anywhere but man having a bus pass is so worth it because now I can just go everywhere <laughs> like I can just I don't have to walk two hours to get somewhere I can just pick a target and go there and yeah, it's definitely worth the hundred dollars. Like it's really, I use that bus pass like crazy. So, hold on just a second. I have got to shit. I get a sec check to see if those men left the turkey on the table. Sure. Dog might be up on the table eating it. Okay, <laughs> they put it in the fridge. Yeah, so I guess that's uh, I guess that's about all, really. That's all. That's just basically, that's the cat pee adventure and my moneyless <laughs> situation and that's a, that's about it that's all that's going on here well our snow has stopped so that means a lot of plowing now below yeah that's one thing that's kind of neat here is that uh, we did get snow but it's it's like crazy how minimal it is it's like a quarter inch it's like just flat like even if in a movie set they wouldn't make snow this flat like it almost looks yeah fake. i saw it uh, there was, it was a couple of days ago was it or maybe half a yeah a few days ago in the middle of last week and it's just cold enough that it sticks around so yeah it's kind of perfect because there's not always snow here for winter so yeah i good. was watching the news from vancouver the other night they, and you could see it it was uh, it was kind of slushy actually but slippery they were saying and uh yeah that very first little day. down maybe a quarter of an inch but uh this dog uh, van was going around uh, telling people they should have sweaters on their dogs and that kind of stuff because it was so cold. It was like two below. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, the next day we were out walking our dogs and it was 14 below. Yeah, I noticed that because uh, on Twitter... I've got it set to like British Columbia things that people are tweeting about and one of them was the BC storm. So I like, you know, open the curtain and I'm like, oh yeah, look at that. Extremely light snow. <laughs> but they call that the BC storm. But you know, sometimes that little bit of, is worse than having a whole lot down. Because well, you don't have any traction, you're, you're, you're wearing uh, sneakers probably that have no tread on them we're speaking of. You get ice. It's just enough below zero that it's freezing. So it's very treacherous walking. So sometimes that little bit is worse than the, than the big downpour. Yeah, and like nobody here is ready. I mean, there's actually a guy who just walked by me who's wearing shorts, straight up shorts. <laughs> so, I mean, like, yeah, if you, so that's the thing, I guess. Yeah, if you're prepared for bad cold, it's better than being unprepared for mild cold. So are you just hanging around out in the streets or what? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm in the, uh, right at this moment, I'm in the, the main station again, but uh, with the bank of phones. But it's actually weird, like, I didn't really notice until I listened back. People will probably be able to hear it in this, too, but there's, like, just weird noises. 
in this building like there's this kind of high-pitched sort of recurring noise that I don't know what it is that you can't really hear unless you have a recording <laughs> then when you listen back you're like what is that so uh, I think I'll try to find some other phones in the future but uh, nothing's open today so this will have to do so is there anybody around yeah, there's a or lot of people. Virtually empty. No, it's uh, it's pretty busy, and uh, it really is like kind of the mix of just the standard street folk or whatever. But the other one is just because there's a really big Asian population here, and they don't give one fuck about Christmas. Like I, I guess I always kind of knew that, but I really noticed that two Christmases ago when I was at that cheesecake shop, like we were busy all day, and it was like all just Asian students who just wanted cheesecake and. You know, if you're here from Japan or whatever, they don't give a fuck. Did you ever hear the thing about how uh, KFC is big on Christmas in Japan? No. <laughs> yeah, so it's because they don't have any really real pre-existing Christmas stuff, just whatever they picked up from American media. But, you know, it's just whatever. It's just a weird thing that they don't really care about. So KFC, I think this started a while back, like in the 80s or maybe even in the 70s. Some marketing guy got it in his head that... Colonel Sanders looks a lot like Santa Claus and they spread this notion in Japan that that what North Americans do on Christmas and Christmas Eve is they eat KFC they eat fried chicken specifically Kentucky fried chicken and they did this big marketing blitz and convinced Japan that that's the truth even though it couldn't be further from the truth and now it's like yeah they have like huge like that like you have to reserve your chicken on Christmas and then, you know, stand in a big lineup to get your KFC. And, like, that's just, like, such a weird... I mean, it's no weirder than what we actually do for Christmas, but but it's such a neat example of just, like, how you can just twist something. I mean, like, somehow we... If anything, I think we associate Christmas with Coca-Cola more than anything, just because Coke kept doing those ads where Santa was drinking a Coke. Like, that's all you got to do. Just keep pushing it, and then there you go. That poultry thing is not too far-fetched, though. I mean, what do we have for yeah, big turkey. turkey? Yeah, so it all, like, there's a slight sense to it. <laughs> you know, it all is based on something. So, uh, so that's And the, I never thought about Colonel Sanders looking like Santa Claus, but you know what? He does. Yeah, so that's the Japanese take on Christmas, and i got to assume that in the other Asian countries, they probably care even less than that. <laughs> so, so, yeah, right now there's, like, a lot of people of all types out, but especially Asian folk. Like, to them, it's just Monday. They don't, they don't give a fuck. That's one thing that's really interesting. So this guy, Leo, my Chinese friend, he, uh, like, he, his English is really good, but he works at a Chinese company, and he uses this, it's like their own version of, like, Facebook and Kijiji that's only for Chinese people. I don't remember what it's called. Like, he's in it, he speaks Chinese at home. He's in his own little Chinese bubble, and he, like, basically never speaks English unless he's hanging out with us or whatever, like me and my friend Vince and whatever, these people that he met from outside places. So uh, we were with him the other day, and we were just talking to him about stuff, and somehow Donald Trump came up. And it's funny because you think Donald Trump, like, that's, that's been the big news for the last half a year or the last year or whatever, the last 20 years. Donald Trump, you know, he's famous as hell. Leo didn't know shit about Donald Trump, like, to the point that even though it's, like, universally accepted that this guy is ridiculous and he's, like, the silliest president there's ever been, when me and Vince mentioned something about that, Leo was like, oh, is he bad? Like, they just don't care. <laughs> you he know? did know he was the president of the United States. Yeah, he, did he? Yeah, he's like, yeah, I know that guy's the president, but who gives a shit? Because he's in, not only in Canada, but then inside his China bubble 
within Canada. And yeah, it's just interesting that that the, just the complete disinterest and like lack of to the point of like he didn't even realize Donald Trump is like a a figure a comedic figure that we think is silly <laughs> you know he just knows nothing he just doesn't even care he's like oh give me give me the update what's the deal with how do you white people feel about donald trump because we don't have any feelings we don't give a fuck <laughs> and i thought that was really interesting because like i'm halfway there like i'm glad i'm canadian and i don't have to really care about this whereas if i was american yeah kind of have to have an opinion so leo's another step removed so if he feels like that chinese people from actual china man it must be like like talking about the moon like they must just not even care a little and i just think that's really interesting because we get so worked up with our news cycles and blah 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 and all oh, this is important and that's important but to some people it is not important although i do remember i had one i mean i don't know much about china and uh but i just remember we were somehow back in the day the only time that things ever got a little weird between me and Leo is somehow Tiananmen Square came up. And again, I don't even know much about it. But he was like, ah, none of that happened. All of that's fake. Oh, <laughs> like, really? Yeah, he's like, that's yeah, all propaganda. That's China's great. No, none of that happened. And it's like, I don't think that that's true. But let's just for the sake of this friendship, let's not talk about it. <laughs> that was interesting because he's not in China. Like in China, they have... Uh, censored internet and like things are weird and you know it's it'd be understandable if you don't have a full view of stuff but once you're out of there he's been in north america his whole adult life he should know things like that right <laughs> but he doesn't so i don't know mm, sounds like he's really isolated himself from all that stuff yeah uh, totally but on the other hand he's one of the nicest guys i've ever met so hey whatever man live your life leo like it's fine <laughs> Yeah, that was actually, I guess that was like the final, I was really, uh, like really regulating my, uh, expenditures and I'm like, all right, this should all work out. This should be fine. I should be okay for the month. But then, uh, just cause I, uh, when I had the chance to go hang out with Vincent Leo, I was like, all right, I like, we just went to like a restaurant and I blew $25 or something, but it's like, I, ha I haven't seen these guys in years and you know, I haven't seen anybody. <laughs> really while I've been out here so so that that is really what did me in I mean but it was worth it it was cool to see them it's weird too because it's like I mean I guess I guess that's how you meet anybody like you just meet people at a school or at a church or something but it's just weird that I've known these guys since like 2005 and yeah we just had a great time hanging out and talking but I just met them because I worked at a coffee shop <laughs> it just seems really weird oh you know it's cool though I guess uh I keep thinking of other dumb stuff. So this guy, Vince, he always wanted to be an actor. And, you know, I mean, I guess that's the, the story with anyone who wants to be a thing is it never happens, you know, like wherever someone and like, what's that John Lennon quote? Like uh, life is what happens when you're making other plans. So, so now that he's, you know, he's my age and he's like, all right, like this is, if it was going to happen, it would have happened. So he got a teaching job instead and uh man i thought it was so interesting to talk to him about teaching because i mean i hated fucking school i just could not stand the rigid way that school is it drove me nuts and i know you've talked before about like when you used to be a teacher of just like like trying to buck the system or make the curriculum interesting when you've got all these teachers that are just just grinding it out trying to get a pension and like just the system you know the system is bad with school 
So it's really interesting to hear from a guy who's a teacher now and how things are changing because we're in this new world where, you know, everyone has a phone in their pocket that has everything you ever needed to know, like rote memorization and testing is not valuable anymore. Like what's valuable is teaching people how to do things on their own and like, you know, be self-motivated or whatever. So Vince was saying how when he started, you know, he was nervous being a new teacher and he was sort of doing things the old school way, like the way things were when we were in school of like, I'm the teacher and here's the stuff and learn the things and blah, blah, blah. And it just wasn't working and kids weren't paying attention to him and he's like high school level, it's like English geography, that type of stuff. So he went the other way of like, almost like super hippy dippy teacher, but it's going way better. And the, uh, the faculty's way happier with his performance, the kids like him way better. And like one thing that he does that this I thought was so genius is he would do something like say uh, they're doing a, you know, whatever, something about a Midsummer Night's Dream. So he'd get people to do some kind of kind of offbeat project about it, you know, like make a, a pastiche or a diorama or something about it. But then he doesn't even grade what they did. Instead, the next step is he's like, okay, you made that. Now I want you to switch hats and I want you to be a reviewer and I want you to critique the thing you just made as though you didn't make it. So he basically gets people to grade themselves. Like he's just kind of directing the flow, but he's not doing anything. <laughs> and it's working way better. And it's like more valuable because people are actually engaged with what they're doing. And I thought that was fucking so interesting. And yeah, instead well, what of. What if somebody, well, I guess it doesn't matter. If you're a real egoist and you've done a piece of crap and you're reviewing it. Well, you're going to come off with a pretty A1 review, right? Yeah, but, <laughs> and I guess... It's wonderful. And I guess it helps that he's uh, doing, you know, the geography in English, that type of stuff, so it can be a little more nebulous, a little more pass-fail. It's not like teaching someone physics. So uh, basically it's like, you know, even... if Basically it's like the process. Like, if you did a good critique of your own work, like, it, if it makes sense what you're saying, you know, it doesn't even matter what you're saying, you know, it's just <laughs> it's just the process of doing it and kind of being comfortable he's, with it. He's in the public school system, is he? Yeah, I think so. I think it's like international kids. Like a, his, it's, a, it's a really small class, which I was surprised by. It's only like 18 kids, and they're all Asian, but I believe they are not Canadian. They're like, you know, the kids of, of people that are from wherever. He's, uh, he's damn lucky he's got them. He's probably able... They're probably pretty smart anyway. They're probably not a whole bunch of fluff-off artists. Well, that's that's um, what I would have thought, too. I even brought that up, to because Leo was right there. And I'm like, so that's the thing, right? It's like the stereotype. Is that true of, like, you know, we're the flaky, lazy North Americans, but but Chinese people crack the whip? And uh, turns out not necessarily true. Like, these kids are all kind of, kind of fuck-ups. <laughs> like, they kind of, maybe because Vince is the new teacher, they gave him all the kids that don't care and aren't engaged and barely show up and 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 now he's like mr cotter <laughs> like he's the one who's like making them so even though when you think all asians and especially asian like expats that they're going to be excellent but that is not the case in this case so yeah i guess i just figured if their parents they're international students and their parents are paying for them to come over here to be educated they're just not your you know yeah, I think You're it's real. a case of, like, the parents are here as well. Like, they're, like, whole families. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, and uh, and just for whatever reason, these kids, they're just like, I mean, maybe that they're just disconnected from the society and disenfranchised or whatever, but, but he, he says, like, he does have, like, he has, like, this one guy who's, like, 19, is still in high school and just, you know, he doesn't give a fuck, and Vince told him, he's like, you know what you should do is you should get out of here and go get a job. Like, you'd have money, you'd have more fun, you'd actually learn something, and you can get a GED later. <laughs> like, who cares? And I love that all this stuff that would make Vince like Mr. Cotter, he'd be the greatest rebel of the 70s. But in this climate, everyone's extremely happy with his performance and, like, he's doing the right thing. Because, you know, following orders and jumping when people say to jump is not valuable anymore. Like, there's no... But he only... <coughs> He only teaches this small group, right? He doesn't. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't have like, uh, and it's the same kids. Like it's not like 150 kids a day and every day they. Yeah, he's definitely in a. He's in a very good position. Really lucky yeah. on that. Because yeah, then Leo said in China. I can't remember what he said, but somewhere around 50 kids is normal, maybe more per class. And it's just like holy shit. <laughs> like, I mean, we were up to like 32 or 33 in my high school, but even worse in China. Yeah, and see, if he only had those kids, he could probably, that many, <clears throat> and they were the only ones he was teaching, he probably could make a whole lot of inroads. The trouble with the with the public school system itself is that if a teacher teaches for, like, well, a semester, you teach it an hour and 20 minutes, you're 30 kids, and then you, you know, you're teaching that, like, three or four times a day for four months, that's it. Yeah. You can't get to know those kids and make any inroads because there's just too many of them. You know, you're talking, you know, about 100 different kids, 100 kids a day, 100, 120 kids a day. Yeah, but where if you had 18, yeah, you could probably, yeah, you probably could do some stuff. I guess that's what's kind of interesting, too, though, is that in both cases, like even in the case of a, a ton of kids, it's still still teaching kids to be self-motivated and self-directed is still important like even if you don't know maybe because you can never know them and know who they are you know like it's just important on either end of the spectrum and it's so in a way it's really cool that the world has gone this way like i feel kind of vindicated because like obviously part of it is just my personality of just didn't mesh with school but I just hated school by the end so much, like 100% hated it. I'm like, this cannot be the right way to do stuff. There's just no fucking way. Like, I know I have my little quirks and my little idiosyncrasies, but this is so wrong that there's no fucking way it's just me, you know? And I love that the world is turning around and is like, yeah, that was dumb. Like, that was Little House on the Prairie bullshit. Like, that's not the way to teach anyone. It's not, not, doesn't work. It's not helpful. And I'm like, good, awesome. No, it's like factory teaching. Yeah, uh, just the miserablest. God, I hated school so much, as you well know. <laughs> just like, god damn. So yeah, it's, it's nice to hear those stories. It's kind of it's kind of cool. And it's funny too because uh, even beyond whatever a kid learns or doesn't learn, like that is still all kind of nebulous and whatever. But even just in so far as like, like not getting. Uh, run down by the kids even because <laughs> you know? he even said like in his first couple of weeks when he was still nervous and he was trying to go buy the books like he just got like that's like like because that's kind of the the spark of a teacher losing control of the class and the teacher getting like bullied by the kids is 
setting down a rule, you know, it's like, here's the rule and you have to do the rule. As soon as some kids say, no, we're not doing the rule, it's over, you know, it's just like all you can do is scream at them and throw a chair, like, which happened once. I remember back in elementary school, we got a supply teacher to throw a chair. And uh, I've had a lot of teachers that just like had burnout, freak out meltdowns because the class I was in just destroyed them. And and it's not like we were ever bad kids it's just like that's just not you can't crack the whip it's just cracking the whip is just begging to have people rebel against you so yeah once he switched it to like like you know you're gonna kind of pick your own work that you're gonna do and then you're gonna even kind of grade your own work and it's all on you and if you don't want to do it i don't care i don't even care if you don't come you know <laughs> and like it just suddenly it's all diffused like there's no more butting heads with kids and like teacher versus students and all this fucking bullshit and again even if it doesn't work it didn't work the other way either like that's what ultimately killed me with school is like I just couldn't see any upside like I didn't fucking learn anything in high school not one thing except how much I hate high school (laughs) you know (laughs) like if I didn't go it wouldn't matter and uh yeah so so yeah it's uh it's nice I feel like things are moving in a nice way I should do a podcast with him. That'd be neat. I should just interview him about, like, the current state of teaching. Well, yeah. It's the current state of teaching, but then how he, what he's doing, that's different because I don't think that, although you run into him and he seems to be having a whole new um, venue of how to do this stuff, I don't think the majority do. And the majority is still the same old shit massive classrooms, uh, uh, teachers just trying to keep their head above water. Um, I don't really think that they're, I, I don't really think that as, if you could, if you could put it all on a scale, I think you'd see the occasional blips like him, but I think most of it is still that same old crap. Yeah, maybe. It's hard to say, because like, yeah, it really is like, but I guess if it just doesn't work, enough you know eventually maybe things will just change because like that's what i think is interesting too is that like i was saying how how vince isn't the rebel you know like the uh, at least around here i mean vancouver is also a little bit known for being sort of west coast hippy dippy sort of progressive annoyingly progressive almost <laughs> so but at least around here like that the um that the the faculty isn't fighting him you know they're actually like hey nice you're good at this you're good at this new kind of teaching and he said like it is kind of like even from on high, like textbooks are changing and a lot of stuff is just changing. So, so that's cool. I'm sure it'll be a slow process, but, but everything is also kind of sped up because of the weird internet world we're in. Yeah, but half the battle is if he can get the uh, other teachers to support him and what he's doing, hey, that's half of it right there because uh, that's, a big, that's a big problem with teachers just, uh, well, for example, semestering, how it was supposed to work. Is, but it never did. Um, okay, let's say if I was teaching um, English and you were teaching history, and um, then we were supposed to coordinate so that if I was teaching, um, uh, let's say, Shakespeare, you would be teaching history of the Middle Ages in that, that, or the Renaissance, that whole, that whole time frame. And maybe somebody else who's teaching science would tie that in too about what scientific uh, developments that were happening at that time um, and that would have worked you know it kind of would have tied everything together so that uh, you know everybody's kind of 
when I'm teaching you something about the literary stuff of the day, you're learning, oh, hey, man, here's who was killing who, and who was in power, and who was doing that. And oh, my God, look what they were, do- look what they were inventing at the time, and, ex- and uh, the explorations and the new world and all that shit that, that influenced all of that. But it never, it never happened. It never worked. Yeah, that's one thing I think is interesting. I feel like maybe we've talked about this before. I don't think on this podcast, but like I was really, especially like ten years ago, I did a lot of research about uh, like self-directed schools and schools where they really are just open and like basically they they were like you got to show up, but then you know you can do whatever you want. And the idea was, if you're a kid who's not interested in literary stuff at all or reading or whatever maybe you do just show up and work on cars like that's why is that such a taboo you know like that is just every person's different but then the other philosophy that i could also see where they come from is the reverse of that which was i can't remember the guy's name but he wrote a textbook that was basically like here is the knowledge every american really needs to know you know <laughs> and it's like it's like crazy to send a citizen out into the world without knowing all of these things and it was like the opposite it was like super regimented and i feel like that also makes a lot of sense but you've got to so micromanage it like i feel like the only way something that which is a little similar to what you were saying of like things will tie together and like here's all the stuff like i feel like that's almost like a homeschool thing like unless you've got one parent one kid who like focus 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 that's the only way to make that work and then when you've got a bunch of people like just leave them to their own devices and let them figure out their own shit because you just don't have the energy or ability to do anything else (laughs) so i don't know i guess that's the thing is I, i do kind of agree that that can work of like here is a curriculum and it's all carefully set up but but you really need to be focused you really need to care and lord knows when i was in school man nobody cared in elementary school they did because i was in that french school so it was a very small group of kids very focused like that that worked but as soon as i got out of the that into junior high and high school it was no one gave one fuck about anything i ever did ever (laughs) no and well that was the factory and the factory kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger you went from something that was very very small there were like 15 or 15 or maybe 18 of you kids in grade one and you were the same kids straight through to grade six yeah man it was a people could really focus on you teachers could get to know who you were they you know they had had you for a whole year and everybody in the school knew who you guys were knew who all the teachers were in in your little section and then you went from there to uh to uh 700 kids yeah talk about a culture shock too to to 3,000 or (laughs) 2,500 Yeah, because I remember that's one thing, too. It took a little while for me to kind of parse that out in my brain, where when I left elementary school, where I knew everyone and everyone was my friend and whatever, and then got to junior high where I didn't know anybody, like, in my mind, I didn't have any other word for it, so I thought, like, people were, like, bullying me, but not really. Like, I did get in a couple of fights and stuff, but really, it wasn't really that. It was just that no one gave a shit and I kind of interpreted it that way I'm like this is insane how am I going to this place every day where nobody cares like it just felt so awful <laughs> but then when I kind of look back like when I hear other people's stories of getting like bullied I'm like okay well that didn't happen to me I guess like I didn't really get bullied I just got not given a shit about it. <laughs> you know but it it kind of felt like that to me 
Yeah, I mean, it was, it's a real isolationist thing. You're just you're pretty well on your own in those. You're, you're a little cog in a great big wheel. Yeah. Yep, it sure was lame. It's interesting, and too. And the wheel just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> well, it's funny, too, because just recently, just by coincidence, I happened to come across these two stories of uh, two guys that are roughly my age. Well, there's Bam Margera, who's like uh, one of those jackass guys. He's a skateboarder. He is my age. And then there's this guy, Aaron Hansen, who he's a little younger, but he uh, he's like a YouTube guy. He's famous for like doing video game reviews and shit on YouTube. In both these cases, though, these guys were kind of recounting their life stories. And through just circumstances, they just never finished high school. They both dropped out in, like, 10th grade. And they both said, like, the GED was the easiest thing they've ever done in their life. You know? <laughs> like, like, it's just the... And, like, but nobody knows that. Because unless you are forced out of school through weird circumstances, you just... That's just not what people do. But, like, it's just weird when you see it on paper. Like, here it is. Okay, this is what you really need to do to actually be done with high school. And it's, like, the simplest thing in the world. So why is everyone being fucking miserable for years? <laughs> you know, like, it's just, just doesn't make any sense. And, yeah, like, if you didn't pick up some learning in elementary school and junior high, you're not going to start in high school. Like, it's just every high school is a waste of time. It's so over at that point. It's just like, a, it's like sending kids to a weird prison. Like, have you ever seen those prison shows, like Oz and stuff? Like, I was thinking about that, too. Just, uh, I was up on um, Mount Royal in, uh, in Montreal. And I don't know why this thought came to me. But I was just up there by myself, you know, whatever. I was working on some writing and looking at the view. And I just all of a sudden had this weird little flash, this memory from, like, 25 years before of, like, if this was a school trip there is a chance that a gaggle of boys would come over and just start fucking with me, <laughs> you know? Like, because that only happens when you're a kid, and particularly when you're trapped in some weird social situation like school. That never happens when you're an adult. Never. It doesn't even cross your mind. No one is just going to walk up to you and just be like, hey, what are you doing? And, like, if you answer wrong, you're going to get punched in the mouth. Like, it never... <laughs> But when you're a kid, you have to deal with all that stuff when you're completely not ready to deal with it. And for what? So you can not learn anything? Oh, I fucking hate it. Like, I just hate it so much. If I, have, like, if I ever had kids, if they want to go to school, I won't argue with them. But I would never make them. Never. Well, there are laws that say you, if your kids have to go to school or be homeschooled. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can make up some other, find some other thing, find some other way around it. Yeah, because I was even thinking that, like, even now as an adult, like, I wonder if, if there were just roving random gangs of assholes that are just, like, going to push the books out of your hand, <laughs> you know, would I have the uh, social wherewithal to deal with that as an adult even? Like, maybe not. Because there is no way to deal with it. It's just crazy asshole bullshit. And to have to deal with that when you're 12? <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> Ugh, the worst. And yeah, just that, that the world completely changes once you get out of school. Like, that never happens. I could count on one hand the number of times as an adult that maybe I was, like, walking through a park at night and a bunch of, like, punk kids that are all, like, drinking would, like, yell... <laughs> 
from across the park like hey where the fuck are you going or something you know like it happens like once a decade where in school it happens all the fucking time and it's just like ugh, what an awful thing to put people through that's i guess that's the ultimate kick in the dick is like not only do you really not learn anything and it's just this weird dumb system it's like set up so that weird asshole bullies can run shit and can fuck with people and just get away with it. Like, yeah, it's like and nobody does anything about it. It's the worst goddamn thing in the world. Ugh. If I was ever prime minister, holy shit. <laughs> this country would change. Schools would just be gone. Be like, let's just, let's change all of this. None of this works. This is all awful. I feel like people just kind of forget. Like, they grow up and they're like, oh, maybe it wasn't so bad. But it was. And you're just making every other generation do it too, and it's just stuff. Ugh, I could go on. I'll just. Yeah. This isn't really I Christmas know. talk anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. I went through it too. Not when I got to high school, I didn't. And uh, yeah, I'd say around grade, yeah, grade three, grade five, grade six. Yeah, I guess that's in high school. It's true that I didn't really. At that point, it was just purely getting ignored. <laughs> I didn't really have any problems with anyone. It was just purely, just nothing. Well, see that I moved. My benefit was I moved from uh, from FHS to Campobello. Right. All of a sudden, you're in a class that's got like 11 and 12 kids in it. Yeah, that'd be interesting. That'd be <laughs> that would be. I mean, I guess it's got to be better, right? Um. It had its good side and it had its bad side. Looking back, at that time, I didn't, I really couldn't see a whole lot of positive stuff to it. Um, but looking back now, yeah, yeah, there was a lot of positive stuff there. I just d- couldn't see it. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's all relative, too. I mean, at the best, I'm sure it was still boring. <laughs> but It was a great way to learn um, um, self-esteem and you know, get over any uh, hang-ups that you might have had as a, you know, any, um, being self-conscious about things when you were in a bigger school. Uh, you know, get over, you, that, you know that, that was completely gone by the time I was in grade 11 and moved down there. And especially if you're smart, you know, then you start, you just start surfacing as, as being smart. You're not just a little cog in a big wheel anymore. Right. Big cog in, in, in a little wheel. Even that, though, I guess, like, my my opinion of that has changed a lot, too, where, you know, that always got me a certain amount of, like, leeway in school was because I'm quote-unquote smart, but, I mean, what kind of, like, even as I learn more about what being smart means, like, so I can remember shit and I can tell it back to you? Like, who fucking cares? Like, again, like, there's everyone has that in their pocket now all the time. They have every answer. And uh, I remember I was listening to a thing about, specifically, this was about, like, a jujitsu guy who, you know, had uh, learning disabilities and uh, dyslexia and just did terrible in school all the time. But this guy is like, a, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, there's a TED Talk about him. He's like the greatest jujitsu dude ever. And when they studied him, they realized that he had all of these, like his brain, the way it could learn kinetic stuff like that, like if, if you did like some kind of karate move to him, you might get him the first time, but never the second time. Like, it was like he was in the Matrix after that. He could just read the physics of what was happening and remember it better than anybody. And why isn't that valuable? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, like, the only thing school cares about is the ability to remember something and say it back. And like, regurgitate it. 
Like I remember That's there's right. a, a joke in The Simpsons where Bart is trapped in a closet, and the only thing in the closet is uh, a map of the the planets. Like, and he just has nothing else to do, so he just remembers the planets. And then when the test time comes, like he'd never done that before, so he's like, "It was amazing when the test came." I just knew all the planets. I had the answers in my brain. It was like a whole new kind of cheating. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that really is all it is. It's like you've got the book and you can look up the answer. You just don't need the book. Like, yeah. what is that even? Who cares? Who gives a and, shit? And, and if you think back, a whole lot of people that always had were considered to be really, really, really smart and had really top marks. Really, all they did is regurgitate what was given to them. Well, to me, that's not smart. That's That's just being able to regurgitate. Yeah, one thing too I think that's neat about that, I've been, what is the book called? Um, I just read this book about, uh, it's about creative thinking, and I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head, but uh, the guy in it was describing, uh, he does a lot of uh, corporate gigs, and one reason why businesses kind of have a problem with people not thinking creatively and not coming up with innovative ideas is because they were trained in school to not get the wrong answer. So to not get the wrong answer, if that's what your goal is, you got to be super conservative and always go with the safe route and the safe plan so that you minimize your chance of getting it wrong. Whereas when you look at Edison or Einstein or whoever, they get a thousand things wrong and then one thing that changes the world. But the school trains you not to do that, you know, to fear failure. And how many of those guys did you always hear that they were terrible in school. They were always failing. They yeah. Were, yeah, because they, they weren't going to play the game of regurgitation. Uh, I'll, the book, I just remember, just in case anybody wants to look it up, it's called A Whack to the Side of the Head. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it was really cool. Cool book. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's a little weird to read about in a way of just like this book that's teaching people how to think creatively because I just, I felt like it, I didn't need it. It didn't help at all. I'm like, this seems so weird that you'd even need to teach someone this. <laughs> but but that's what made it interesting to read of like, yeah, there really are just all these businessy dickheads walking around that can't have a creative thought to save their life because their whole They've world. they trained to regurgitate. Yeah. And like, you know, like, so they'll get some business with like their think tank and the think tank all comes up with the same boring answer because they just don't want to be wrong. <laughs> it's just like wow, weird. But I guess that makes sense. Like, what else would you get if you're if you're a top school person? I mean, I'm sure all their anxiety comes from not getting things wrong. You know, <laughs> it's just like shit. Yeah, that's interesting, and less and less valuable. When I was in university, I ran into this professor, history professor, and I was he uh, was having a little chat with me one day about how he really didn't like the way I was answering stuff. And so I said to him, well, that's just because I'm not just giving back to you what you're giving to us. And he said, no, no, that's not what, that's what it's all about. You know, that's not a, So I said, you know what, I'll show you. So I memorized. I, I took notes meticulously for the next little while, and I memorized everything. And when the questions came up, I answered them exactly as he'd given them to us. No, maybe not exactly, but close enough. But it was sheer memory work going on. I've got a straight, you know... <laughs> And so I said, see, I told you. Told you. And I went and said, I said, I memorized your stuff. I didn't put any interpretation on it at all. I memorized it. I gave it back to you exactly like you gave it to me. Do you think so, he saw the light or was he like, damn, you're doing great? He did. No, he did. Because <laughs> later on he, he, he encouraged me to, to uh, 
take honors history. And uh, I was the I was the only woman that up to that point at St. Thomas University, he, no, there had been no women in the history department doing it. So he encouraged me at first, and and at first I said uh, I wanted to do a major in English too, and I and I said, well, I don't think I can do that. And he said, and he said to me, I don't think you can either. And I said to myself, I'll show you. <laughs> so I did. I did do it. But no, I think that he uh, he he did recognize it at first. But, uh, you know, obviously, because he took enough of an interest in me later on to give me that encouragement to go and do what I did. Uh, but, yeah, that was in my second year. And, and uh, yeah, I said, yeah, I'll just give it right back to you. So I did. I memorized it. <laughs> and I did, used to do that in law school occasionally. Every once in a while there'd be something, and I'd memorize it. Yeah. And you'd do quite well. Yeah, you can definitely, yeah, you can get a long ways with that. That's something that, too, I guess one thing that was interesting about this book about creativity is um, how they were, the guy was kind of talking about the two sort of paths to success, where there's the kind of standard corporate like, yeah, try to get as few mistakes as possible, slowly build, work your way up the ladder. You know, everything is a small, gradual, continuous movement, slowly upward. And that's, you know, considered being successful. And then you got like the Einstein method or the Edison method where it's just fail, 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 fail. But all you got to do is be right once and then it all works. And, and in particular, like creative type stuff, that's how it is. And I was like, you know, not to uh, just get myself off the hook for, you know, where I am in life or how things are going or whatever. But it was interesting to see it that way of like, yeah, like I'm fucking in my late 30s and I'm still seemingly just dicking around. It's not like a traditional get a job, move your way up type thing. But in creative fields, you only got to hit once, you know, like you only got to have Harry Potter and then everything that happened before that doesn't matter. And I'm like, that's interesting. Like you can't completely fall into that, but it's like, all right, so that last book I wrote didn't go anywhere. But what if the next one does? Then like, then all of this was okay. <laughs> you know? And it's like weird. It's like a weird it's an uncomfortable place to be because maybe you'll just fail forever and it'll never work. But the only way it can work is to be in free fall and to go try to do the thing that everyone else isn't doing. And, uh, and like in a way to, to me, <laughs> you know, the way I see it is that's the real like route that the intelligent person takes. Like this is the hard route. This is the going through the brush. And like, it's weird because on the surface from the outside, it looks like, oh, geez, that guy's not doing anything. He hasn't accomplished shit. But then once it happens, you know, like, like people say like the 10 year overnight success, you know, it comes out of nowhere, but it's because it took so much work and so much belief in yourself and so much being self-motivated and self-driven and going toward this thing that no one else can even see is like a completely different like model of success than just the standard I'm gonna get a job at IBM and, uh, blah, 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 you know? and it's like I don't know that was kind of neat to read about like it's a little bit I'm already way deep into that life so it's not like you know it's just nice to it's too late to do anything different now but it's interesting to see somebody kind of validate it well, on that note, I'm going to let you go because you're down to to two dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. 
And when you become rich and famous, you can talk about the number of times you were down to $2 and somebody salvaged you with a little bit of money coming your way. Yeah, it's one of those things, too, where it's like, you know, it kind of sucks. But on the other hand, it, it's kind of handy sometimes to really focus like this, where it's like, all right, like I've only got $2, but I got a bunch of Mr. Noodles at home. I got, I don't know, I got my writing to do i've got books to work or to read i've got my computer like i've got all this stuff i'm not missing anything <laughs> so so it, it's like so what am i actually missing like okay, what can i not do right now like i can't go see a movie i can't go to mcdonald's but who cares that's not what i'm supposed to be doing anyway so yeah it's kind of it's not so bad you know it's like good sometimes to focus as long as you don't focus down to the point of starving <laughs> <You know? laughs> But anyway, thanks once again for uh, helping me to live this silly lifestyle, and uh, Merry Christmas. Same to you. All right, so I guess I'll probably call you again, you know, next month sometime, January. Okay. See what's going on in 2018. All right, and remember, if the pee gets really bad... Oh, yeah, the baking soda, yeah. Baking soda and newspaper. Yeah, I should have emailed you right away. I just should have thought that you'd have, like, a... uh, uh, a campy thing I never thought to but then yeah it cleared up so it was okay cool alright so Merry Christmas okay Merry Christmas <laughs> okay bye okay bye bye